we're going to talk about what God's foundation is for the Sabbath. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 2. We're just going to look at three verses this morning, but these three verses are huge. They're an incredible, powerful foundation for the Sabbath and why we celebrate the Sabbath, why we have church today. And, uh, but as you find your way this morning to Genesis 2, verses 1 through 3, stand with me this morning out of reverence and respect to the reading of God's holy word. Genesis chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day, and he sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. Let's pray. Father, may you bless the reading of your holy word. Father, we pray right now, Lord, that you'd speak to each one of our hearts, Father, that we might see very clearly, Father, the foundation you established, Father, for the Sabbath, but also, Lord, for church. Lord, we thank you now once again for all these things in the precious, powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. You know, you've heard this before, but you understand this as well, that uh, the focus of the whole Bible is all about Jesus Christ. The Old Testament points forward to Jesus Christ, the New Testament points back to Jesus Christ. Alistair Begg put it this way. He says, In the Old Testament, Jesus is predicted. In the Gospels, he is revealed. In Acts, Jesus is preached. In the epistles, he is explained. And in Revelations, Jesus is once again expected. The entire Bible points to Jesus Christ. I've heard it said before that if you read the Old Testament, you can look and see Jesus Christ on every page. I haven't proven that to be true, but I believe it in many ways. This morning, we're going to see a very clear picture once again of Jesus Christ in these three verses we just read. It's not going to be a prophetic passage like Genesis 3.15. It's going to be a picture if you remember the Old Testament, we've been reading through it in the one-day Bible, one-year Bible, about all the sacrifices and all the laws and all the rules about sacrificing the animals. Well, that was a picture of the sacrifice of the Lamb of God one day coming to die upon that cross. We know that. So we're talking about a picture this morning. Verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the hosts of them were finished. God said, It is finished. This morning, as we look at the finished work of God in creation in those six days and his Sabbath rest here, he gave himself on the seventh day a time of rest, we see the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ coming and his completed work upon that cross. Remember Jesus Christ on that cross? What did he say? It is finished. This just about knocked me out of my chair this week as I was thinking about the whole idea here. Once again, we see a picture of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is coming, that Jesus Christ died upon that cross, and when he was created just like his Father in heaven, when he created all those things in six days, he said, it is finished. Jesus Christ completed the work of salvation on that cross. It was all complete. Nothing needed to be added to God's creation. Nothing needed to be added to Jesus Christ's salvation plan. They both did it all, and they said, it is finished. John 19 says this, verse 28. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, he's hanging on the cross, that the scripture might be fulfilled. He said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge of sour wine. But it was hyssop, and he put it into his mouth. Verse 30. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. God completed his work of creation in six days and said it's finished. Jesus created the work of salvation, said it was finished. Jesus is the author and the finisher of salvation. 
reading about Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, one of his students one time asked him, how do you pick out what you're going to preach? How do you, how do you figure out which scriptures you want to preach? Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, I pick out any scripture I want in the whole Bible, but then I draw a line straight from that scripture to the cross. You know what God did right here for us? He created everything in six days and said it's finished. And what did he do? He drew a line straight from his, him creating creation to the cross. The plan was there from the very beginning. From the very time of creation before that time, Jesus Christ was here and God had a plan for him to go to the cross. He finished the creation. Jesus Christ finished our salvation upon that cross. Verse 2. It said that God rested. Look at verse 2. It says, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. You know, on the literal seventh day, after six little days of creation, God said he rested. It begs the question, did God need rest? Was God tired? God just couldn't handle it because there was so much work? Absolutely not. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says this, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the creator of all things, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. God doesn't get tired. Well, what was happening there when he said rest? Well, you know what he did? He rested from creating anymore because it was perfect. He created all that needed to be created, and he finished it right there. I don't want you to miss the thought here this morning that God rested as an example for you and I. He wanted us to see what our life needs to be about. He's the one who created us. He understood what our lives need. Our life was never meant to be a rat race. I want to tell you about a rat race. Even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. Life's never meant to be a rat race. It's never meant to be a time of hectic time. It's so much more than consuming work. It's so much more than stressful problems. It's so much more than chaotic business. God has this incredible life for you know, and yet, unfortunately, too many times we miss it. Most Americans are entirely too busy. I believe this is one of the ways that Satan uses busyness to keep us away from God. Some of you understand the Chinese alphabet. I don't, but they apparently use symbols. And uh, for the word busy, they have two symbols. Those two symbols, one of them is heart, and the other one is killing. And obviously, when they're saying busy, it means that it's a stress issue. The number one health issue in America today is stress. We all struggle with business. But God said, hey, on one day a week, you need to stop. You need to stop and do a couple things, just like God did. He stopped and surveyed his beautiful creation. He rested. He stopped all the work for just a day there. Busyness gets in the way of you and I developing a relationship with God. God wants us to be still and know that he is God. God wants you and I to understand that, hey, you need to take time away from me. We as Christians realize there needs to be a discipline in our life that we do discipline ourselves that we can draw close to God. If we're not disciplined this way, we'll never get to it. It's like anything else in our life. We need to discipline ourselves to do the things we want to do that are priorities in our life. God was modeling for us the way he built us. He wanted us to understand that it's important to have rest. It's important to take time out from the world. Many of you have heard my personal story before, but had the opportunity to be in the restaurant business, my own restaurant business, for a number of years. Had it for almost four years. Towards the end of that business, though, I realized the business was failing. And I kept telling myself, listen, 
Maybe if I can just call time out for a minute. If I can go rest someplace. If I can take a week off and kind of get my mind clear. I can figure all this stuff out. Well, I had part of that equation right. But it wasn't to go figure out the business. You know what I needed to do? And I stopped doing this. For almost four years, I neglected God. I was a Christian. Very active. I've been a Sunday school teacher. Done all kinds of things in churches before. But I left God behind because I realized or I thought that business was the most important thing in my life. I couldn't have been more wrong. What I needed to do in the middle of that company was, every day of that company, I should have been taking that one day off to spend it with God. I needed to get some time off to get my head clear, but it wasn't to get my head clear about how to deal with the banks or how to deal with the business anymore. It was to get my heart right with God again. We can get so busy that all of a sudden we wake up one morning and God, where's God in my life? I've left him behind because I'm just too busy doing everything else. The enemy wants us to stay that busy, so we miss God. God rested to show us how important it is. He rested so you and I could understand in our lives we need it as well. We need to rest. I believe in the lack of rest may be the most ignored spiritual discipline we have in the Christian life. Maybe you've found yourself like me. Every once in a while since we started this one-year Bible, I miss a day. And I'll be honest with you, I've missed two days in a row one time. And all of a sudden I realize one day when I get my Bible, I've got to read three days a day. I'm glad to do it. But I realized, how did I miss this the last two days here? Well, I realized why. Because I came in and got too busy on the wrong things too soon. I want to give you two basic thoughts this morning based on the scripture here about the day of rest. Number one, the Sabbath is a time to stop. It's a time to stop. Stop working. Stop worrying. Stop rushing here and there. Stop all the business of life for just a day and have that still time with God. Be still and know that he is God. Stop and listen to what God has to say. Stop the world and sit down with God. Rest in God that day. The second thought here based on the scripture. Sabbath rest is about focus. Maybe refocus. Focus on God. Trust God for his faithfulness. Seek his direction. You know, a lot of times, it might be a day that we rest, but all of a sudden realize that the direction I was planning on heading Monday is not the right direction. Why? Because I just talked to God about it. I just spent some time with God. I slowed everything down. I called time out. And God, in that time out, God showed me a new direction to head on Monday where I, and then where I was going. Taking time with God, we underestimate it. But I want you to realize that God was serious here when he established the seventh day as rest. The word Sabbath shows up when Moses writes about it back in the book of Exodus there. We hadn't seen that book before. But Sabbath means time out. It's also related in a way, in, in its synonyms, to the word seven. So that's where the word Sabbath came back. It's not found, as you obviously see here in the scripture we read this morning. It's the seventh day. But it was so very important that God made it one of the Ten Commandments. You know, I love what Proverbs 3, 6 says. You know this scripture. It says, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You may realize there's 12 words there. There's six words for us, and there's six words for God. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Those are our six words, and he shall direct our paths. That's his words. You know, a lot of times when we're not taking time to rest, a lot of times we're not walking where we need to be walking, we're not close to God, you know what happens? We kind of mix up the words. You know, I'm no longer letting him direct my paths. I'm doing myself. I'm no longer acknowledging him. I'm directing my own way. 
That's the business of this world. Am I living in such a way as I'm looking to God to direct my paths? Am I acknowledging Him in all my ways? That needs to be a daily thing, but more than that, it needs to be also a Sabbath thing. I need to take that time when I'm intentional about spending time with God to focus and realign my priorities. I believe with all my heart. If you look back over your life and realize some of the times in your life when I made some bad decisions, when I kind of made some bad choices, when I made some bad judgments and all of a sudden woke up headed in the wrong direction, I think we can realize in our life that, you know, I didn't have my priorities right. I wasn't taking time to rest on Sunday. That's yours truly when I owned that company. But also, we can just get busy doing things which are good. You know, sometimes we need to pull roses out of the garden besides the weeds. I need to realize that my life is just too full of stuff. I need to declutter. I need to slow down. You know, we, when I first came out here as a pastor, we weren't really doing anything on Sundays or on Wednesday nights. And so I decided, you know, well, maybe we'll do it Wednesday night. We started while we're still at the school over there. But I said, we're not going to do Sunday night services because I want you to dedicate Sunday nights to your family. Whatever you do, do a family thing. Maybe take the family out for dinner or go to a park or do something fun as family or play games around the table at home. Slow down and just know that God is God. Take the time to be holy. God says it in his holy word in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath and what? Keep it holy. And that's what we're going to look at here, the third verse here this morning. And this is huge. And I don't want us to miss the idea here that God was very intentional to establish that day of rest. God was very intentional about establishing the Sabbath. God very clearly made this a very special day. Look at verse 3. You know, I want you to understand this, that God finished his work, verse 1. God number 2, verse number 2, God said he rested on the seventh day. And then on number 3, God sanctioned, sanctified this day. He says, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. God blessed and sanctified There's three distinctive things I want you to see this morning about these three verses. First of all, think about this. On the seventh day here, there's no mention of an evening and a morning. Remember day one through day six? At the end of the the day, God said, hey, there was an evening and there was a morning, and that was day one. The second day, there was an evening and a morning, that was day two, and so on and so on. Through Through day six. But on day seven, there's no morning and evening. How come? Possibility here is God suggests that rest is going to have no end. This day, I want it to continue forever. Those first six days were accomplished that day, and that was the end of that day. But I believe he wants the day to continue. The second thought here, distinctive thing about the seventh day. There's no record of God blessing any other day. He blessed some of the things he created, but he didn't bless the day. But God said he blessed this day. He blessed the seventh day. What does that mean? It means that he put his high exalted favor on that day. God says, I'm blessing this day. I'm blessing the seventh day. I want you to realize that the seventh day has my favor on it. What's God telling you and I? He's saying this day is special. In fact, I think we could go so far today to say that seventh day was his favorite day. A day when we rested, but a day also that we had an opportunity to exalt him. And remember creation. Remember in Romans 1 verse 20? It says, how can you look at creation and not realize there's a God? You're without excuse. You can't, you can't not even understand there's a God in heaven when you look at this great creation. All throughout creation, we see God's creation being glorified. We see the psalmist talking about the glory of his kingdom. 
the glory of his creation. God created all these things. If for no other reason, think about this, I want to thank God on Sunday morning and Sunday all day long for his creation, for what we have here. My wife right now is down in Nashville. Maybe somebody saw some of these pictures. They've been floating like crazy here. But uh, my, my daughter's down there, Abby's down there, and kind of had a bunch of friends and sisters and relatives fly in there to help her kind of get her wedding going and planning for it. Picked out the dress. I'm here to report they found the dress. Thank you, God, for that. I figured out how to pay for it. Just kidding. But I want you to realize that, uh, and Amy and I talking this morning, but also last night, how blessed we are. Where do those blessings come from? God. You know, when we understand God's favor on us, we realize just how blessed we are. I know you feel the same way sitting beside your beautiful families this morning. How truly blessed we are. So God's telling you and I this morning here, I bless this day. I'm putting my favor upon this day. I want you to realize those blessings. I want you to realize how important it is for you to rest and to keep that day holy. You know, the fact that it's God's favorite day, if for no other reason it should kind of inquire and, and cause you and I to want to inquire, what, well, I'm going to go see what God has for me today. It's his favorite day. What does God have for you today? Many of you told me, you come out of your Sunday school class, and man, we had a great class this morning. Let me say this. I believe we have some of the finest Sunday school classes we've ever had in this church right now. Partly because of the teachers, and that they're awesome, but also because of who's going. The dialogue and the conversations I'm hearing coming out of these classes, the changes that are going on in people's lives because of Sunday school. What a blessing. Coming to church and hearing God's word and coming to church and understanding God in a greater way. I, I want you to understand coming to church is all about growing. It's all about coming as well to edify the people. You know, I've heard people over the years say, well, I'm leaving the church because I'm not getting fed. I don't say this to them, but I'll tell you, so if you ever say it to me, you'll know what I'm thinking in my mind. <laughs> my kids began feeding themselves when they are about three years old. So, you know, we come to church, you know, Hopefully we kind of glean something. Hopefully we hear some of God's word and God shows us and God teaches us. But more than that, coming to church needs to be about edifying. It needs to be building up. I want to come to get built up. I want to come to grow, but I also want to affect somebody else to grow too. I want to be an encourager to somebody else. I want to look for people in the hallway that I might not have met yet and I want to encourage them. Maybe I see one of my friends and I know what's going on in their life, so I gather them in a corner and say, hey, tell me what's going on with your mom. Tell me what's going on with your grandma. Hey, can I pray for you right now? The body of believers here is here for one specific reason. It's to edify one another and then to go out and evangelize, tell people the story that we have burning in our heart. There's a fire burning inside me. I can't hold it back even if I wanted to. God has an incredible mission, an incredible endeavor here for you and I as a church. The third distinctive theme, uh, thing about the, the, the scriptures we've read this morning in verse 3, said God sanctified it. What does sanctify mean? It means that God set it apart for a very specific purpose. That's beautiful. That's powerful, too, for you and I. What is the purpose for me being in church today? What did God intend all the way back at the beginning of creation for me to understand what's so special about the Sabbath? He separated that day from all the rest of them. I mentioned a minute ago that I believe it's his favorite day. He consecrated that day. What does that mean? It means that he dedicated it to himself. I've set this day apart for you. I personally set it apart, God's saying. I made this day for you that you might understand me. God was so serious about that Sabbath, he made it one of the Ten Commandments. Read about it in Exodus 20. You know, now as Christians, because of Jesus Christ, 
We have even more to celebrate. We have even more to be radiant about, understanding, coming to church on Sunday mornings. We worship because we have a resurrected Savior. That we have a future with God because of Jesus Christ. You may understand here in the Sabbath in the Old Testament, the Sabbath was on the last day of the week. Well, about 300 A.D., the church moved it to the first day of the week because that's the day that Jesus rose from the grave. They figured that was more fitting as Christians here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You've heard this verse over and over, but I want you to think about this just for a second in light of what we just talked about here this morning. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Think about that. Because God finished creation, because God rested, because God blessed that day, because God sanctified that day, God desires for you and I to celebrate that day. He wants us to celebrate every day. I want you to also understand this, too. There was a lot of confusion throughout the Old Testament, the Pharisees at Jesus' time. They took the idea of not working on the Sabbath and took it to an extreme. It became a fault with the Sabbath. Jesus Christ clarified that, though, when he said in Luke, he said, listen, God made the Sabbath for man. He did not make man for the Sabbath. Understanding that it's not a situation where we have to burden ourselves down with making sure we don't work. Or if you've been to Israel before, you realize all the things like that. They have elevators at uh, 26 floors. And uh, if you get on the wrong elevator, which is for the Sabbath, you have to stop at every floor because you're not allowed to hit the button. You just got to wait there until it comes down. When you get in, I'm going 26th floor. Talk about a non-express elevator. You're going to stop at every floor until I get to the top because I can't touch button number 26. It's that extreme. They still practice it, the Orthodox Jews. But listen very carefully. Because of Jesus Christ, we do not worship a day. We worship the King. We do not rest on a day. We rest in the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, your favorite time of the message because we're getting ready to conclude. Just kidding, you're not supposed to laugh. Um, what do you say? So what? So what about, what does all this mean? Well, I just mentioned several of those things, but you can count them up here in the verses 2 and 3 that we just read a minute ago. But ten times God is mentioned directly. And I believe that emphasizes the fact that this is God's Sabbath. It's God's Sabbath. It's God's day. God blessed it and sanctified it. God made it one of the Ten Commandments. It's safe to say, as I mentioned a minute ago, that this is God's favorite day. What am I doing with God's favorite day? What am I doing with a day that God specifically blessed and specifically sanctified? That God called it out and put his name upon it. David had it right, I believe, in Psalms 122. He says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know what? As a pastor, it's kind of always encouraging to see people leave the church Sunday at noon or 1230, whatever time you're leaving here. Excited. But you know what's more exciting to me? is when you walk into church next Sunday and you're even more excited than when you left here today. Why? Because God has done something in your life. You've seen God move in a great way. You're coming back here with great expectation. Let me give you three final thoughts here. How do I personally get more out of the best day of the week? How do I personally get more out of God's favorite day of the week? You know, they, they said this before, that if 
If I always do what I've always done, I'll always be what I've always been. I love what the writer of Hebrews wrote to the Hebrews there, and he knew he's kind of preaching and teaching to a hard audience. So he said this in chapter 2 of Hebrews. He says, Therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we've heard. He's saying you've got to listen carefully. You've got to pay closer attention to the things you've heard, lest we drift away. He's saying if you don't pay attention, you're going to miss it. If you don't pay attention to what I'm teaching here, you're not going to see what I want you to see, God's saying. I want you to understand these things based on my holy word here. What does God have intended for you and I on Sundays? Remember when the Israelites, before they were getting ready to cross the River Jordan in Joshua 1, God tells Joshua, it's time to go over. God challenged Joshua to be strong and of good courage. But he also told the Israelites, I want you to, I told Joshua to tell the Israelites, consecrate yourself before you cross over. He's saying, what he's saying there is make yourself pure. Make yourself holy as best you can. Wash yourself off. Get ready because God's getting ready to do something. I want you to think about this very carefully. And I believe with all my heart. Great Sundays in your experience are going to start on a Saturday night. You follow that? Great Sundays are going to fall a great Saturday night. What does that mean? It means that we need to begin preparing our heart Saturday nights. Maybe pray for the church services. Pray for your Sunday school teacher. Pray for your pastor. Pray that I see somebody tomorrow that needs a touch from you, God, and use me, God, to encourage them. Help me, God, to be that person that builds somebody else's up. God, I want to come to church tomorrow and see something I've never seen before. God, show me something in your holy word today and show me my name written right on top of that scripture. God, I want to see you in church tomorrow. God, help me to prepare my mind. We watch some TV. We just as soon get rid of the TV altogether, but we still kind of fall back and watch TV once in a while. I remember probably five or six years ago, I think some of you have been here for a while, heard this story before, but we were watching some police show. They didn't show the scene, but it was a graphic crime. You know, I sat there that night, and I turned the TV off about 15 minutes after that and realized I can't watch him with us because they were still talking about that crime that they, they didn't show on TV, but you knew it was, and you could visualize it in your mind. And I realized I don't need this mess in my head before I go into church tomorrow and preach. I don't need it any time. But here I am wanting to get my heart ready and think about my message for tomorrow. I had just gone through my scripture and made sure I had it kind of understood it in my mind so I could present it. And here I am watching some show, and here there comes this visual uh, perception here of something violently mean-spirited. We can't bend over backwards on a Saturday night and embrace the world and come Sunday morning and expect God to do a great work in our life. We need to kind of realize that Saturday night, the most important thing I need to do right now is kind of get my heart ready, pray together as a family. Let's pray for our church tomorrow. Let's pray for all of us tomorrow. Let's pray that we all see something tomorrow from God's word, that we have a genuine, real experience with God tomorrow. Sunday morning, the preparation continues. Come expecting to have a genuine, real experience with God. As we're coming in the morning, maybe pray to yourself. Pray in the, in, in your, at your family breakfast table that morning. Park out in the parking lot here before you come in. Pray for a little bit. I'd tell you right now, you're all welcome to come here on Sunday morning. Sometime in that morning before the worship service, come up here to the, to the altar here and pray for our church service. Pray for your Sunday school class. In the actual Sunday service, something we can do to get the best. I mentioned this before, but come expecting God to speak to you personally. Part of what we need to understand, too, is a lot of times I can hear all these things and I can't remember. 
I can't remember everything the pastor said. We've given you a panel on the back of that bulletin. Maybe you jot a few notes. I want to go back and look at this verse that he talked about because I didn't really understand it. I want to understand it better. I got what he said, but I want to look at it deeper. I want to understand these things. We have an incredible opportunity in this church. I looked at all kinds of statistics this week, too, and I won't bore with all of them, but I'm here to tell you that church attendance in America is going down. Since 2008, 10% less Americans are identifying themselves as Christians. 6% more people are identifying themselves as atheists, agnostics, and what they call nuns now. They're nothing. I'm nothing as far as religion. I'll tell you the saddest statistic I read about, though, was that almost 2% of Americans today are now identifying with a religion that's not Christian. Muslims being the number one. They realize this makes sense to me. I want this. We have an incredible opportunity to grow in the Lord. God's opened that door through Jesus Christ. 